Although it shouldn't be that difficult, but there always seems to be a problem with humanity and accepting or realizing or dealing with the love of God as we've described it, how vast it is, how extensive it is, how long-lasting it is, and to deal with the, the sovereign rule of God that goes along with it. He's created a universe that has order and preciseness within it. He's created it out of his love for us. And yet he set rules and motions into, into effect that cannot be altered. And when violated, has tremendous results. And one of those is our commitment that we need to have towards God. We, because we do live in a physical world, in a physical body, with the physical mind and the physical eyes and so on and so forth, we can look at time with somewhat a great uncertainty of what's going on in life. Turmoil is all around us. Things seem to be escalating in one sense or another. There's not an understanding of who God is, what God has done, and how he has chosen to do it. And we can get filled with anxiety when we look at what we see rather than looking to the one whom we do not see but do believe with all of our heart that he does exist. We can be concerned about the future. And as long as God allows the world to stand, it will be the same thing. The rise and the falls of nations, of individuals, of acknowledging God, forgetting God, this generation may not be the last generation, maybe a thousand generations that follow us. And the anxiety will be there for each generation that comes along the way. Always been that way, always seems to be that way. And again, that's when we oftentimes take our eyes off of God. So how should we view times such as this? Should we fear the future? Or shall we worry about our well-being? Or shall we put our trust in God? The writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 gives some thoughts that we need to consider in our life. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. 
You have not yet resisted to the bloodshed, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation, which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Do not be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, which all have become partakers, you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful at the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceful, peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Tremendous thoughts that have been brought out of the type of life that God is asking of us and how he deals with us. And as he reminds us, all the correction that we receive may not seem joyful at the moment. But for those who have been children for a period of time, understand the benefit of that. That we grow by it. We see the depths of God's love. We see his laws being in effect. And again, violation of those bring consequences that we may not like. We have the opportunity from time to time to try to, at least here on the earth, to see what it would be like if you did not have some of the laws in effect. There's a place over in North Dallas or Fort Worth area that you can go into and you can float and lose gravity and just float about. Uh, it's fine as long as you are what? You're enclosed in that situation. Uh, if you would be able to do that without being enclosed, you wouldn't like it. Because you just float away. So there are purposes behind the laws that God has placed. That's true physically, and that is true spiritually. And some of them is hard to understand thinking about dealing with what God has created, uh, seeing the image of the earth. You know, uh, Job reminds us that, the earth, that the God hangs the earth on nothing. Got this big globe out there in the middle of space. And I thought, you know, you look at that thing, and you see a globe, and you got a top, you got a bottom, and yet regardless of where you are on that globe, you're standing upright. You're not hanging upside down in Australia, walking about. And I find it interesting as well that if, if you uh, catch a flight out of Dallas, 
I think they got direct flights to Australia, the Sydney, Australia. And you can fly down to Sydney. And the whole time you're flying, that plane is upright. It's always, you no, know, the bottom of the plane is towards the ground. I mean, how, but how is that when you get down under, under it? <laughs> how does that work? Uh, I'm just glad God knows how it works and does it. But I'm simply saying, we appreciate those laws that he has in effect. They're for our benefit. He has some spiritual laws that he has in effect, and they're for our benefit. Part of that is our learning to realize that, again, we're limited in our knowledge and what we know and what we understand. And ours is to put a trust in God who does know and understands and, and has a purpose for what he's doing. And if we learn the discipline, if we learn what it means when we cross a line, when we sin, then our conscience bothers us, and then we need to have that removed and have, through repentance of sins and asking God for forgiveness and that being granted to us, the changing of our lives, the compassion that we're to have towards one another, to recognize we do not live on this earth alone. It's an impossibility. Now, even one who wants to be the hermit is not able to be a hermit without agreement from the rest of the population. You ever thought about that? So I'm just going to go out and live in the woods. Well, you can do that, but everyone has to be willing to leave you alone out in the woods. Two is, whatever you do to live and to survive, you're using something that somebody has provided for you. Or knowledge that you gained from someone before you made that decision. We're not alone. We're not isolated. God did not make us that way. He made us a social being. And ours is to work with him. And there is a sovereignty of God that we see throughout the scriptures. You see it in the Old Testament, declared by the prophets. And again, it's the reminders here in the scriptures that as I read history, secular history, that reminds me again of that hand of God working that is not seen by humanity. And the independence that man thinks that he has has no knowledge of the fact that God is in control. Isaiah will talk about in, in Isaiah 13 about how God is going to have the Medes overthrow the Babylonians. Now, neither the Babylonians nor the Medes thought they were under the direction of God and did not realize as they made their decisions and as they moved about, that there's a hand behind that. Reading the history, which is fascinating to read and to see the wars and so forth and the, the thoughts that were written by the various kings as they recorded their history. And then to read the, the spiritual history that God has gave, given to us and to see that intertwining. You know, because secular history, regardless of what period of time frame it is, is the same as God's history of, with his people. There is that interaction. It's documented both in Scripture, and that one does matter, but it's documented in their records as well, that they have they interacted with one another. 
And it's hard for us, as Israel of old oftentimes did, to for, or it's easy to forget, hard to remind ourselves, God has a plan. Israel did not understand that. I don't know. Do <clears throat> you ever talk back to the scriptures <laughs> or talk to them? What were you thinking when you did that, people? <laughs> you know, when, when you came up out of the land of Egypt, what were you thinking? You saw the miracle of God in the ten plagues. You saw the Red Sea Park you passed around on, on dry ground. And you get out there and you complain that God has forgotten you. And Moses, why did you bring us out here in the wilderness to die? What were you thinking? What was going through your mind? Well, I wonder if that happens in the 21st century. What are we thinking? What were we thinking when we made some of those decisions, when we forgot about this, when we think it's us that we're doing some things and reminding ourselves of God is still in control? And that's a reminder that comes out very strongly in the Scriptures. In chapter 10 of Isaiah, the, the nations are depicted as tools in the hands of God. They're just his tools. He's using them. He has a purpose behind that. And he bring that out time and time again. And when the nations had rebelled against him and lived in rebellion for, for generations, they did not escape his notice. There's a price to be paid. And he will deal with that. And that's the reminder that we have as well. Said so before, I mean, without the knowledge of God, without the awareness that He is in control, that He's aware of exactly what's going on, time frame we live in, as as could be any time frame, can be kind of perilous. You see things developing. You say you see things already in place that most of us as Christians would not have ever believed would take place within our lifetime. And the future doesn't look much brighter than that either. And we just sit there and wonder. And that's why I have the scriptures. To bring my feet back down to the ground. To get on solid footing in God's word. And to see that he's already aware of what's going on. And he's using these nations. They're tools. It's kind of hard to remind yourself of that at times. He's, he's using these tools. And a lot of them is to find out, where are you? Where is your allegiance? Where is your trust? Where is the commitment? The world through, or Satan through the world, is saying it really does not make that much difference. You hear the statements, and, and you wonder, do you really believe that? Is that your concept of humanity? Is that your concept of society? No restrictions at all? Absolute freedom completely? No laws? No violations at all? We live in a time frame, and it's on the news all the time, where the distrust of one another is there, distrust of the police, distrust of, the, you know, whatever it is, government, always out there because... You're telling me no. You're telling me I cannot do that. 
And you cannot do that to me. It's me, 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 me. No different than what we have in the scriptures. The Babylonians thought they could rule the world. They did for a period of time. But God says the, the Medes are going to come in and they're going to take over the Babylonians. Those who thought they were the most powerful nations on the earth have gone by the wayside. Always being replaced by others who are doing the same thing. And it's for us to remind ourselves, this world is not home. We need to figure that out. It's not home. We're just strangers. We're passing through. And for those who have traveled abroad, understand that concept of being a stranger in a foreign land. To be in a land where they speak a language you do not speak. And having customs that you're not familiar with. I haven't checked on it in years. I do not know what the percentage is, but it's amazing again to find out how many Americans are sitting in foreign prisons because of violation of the local laws. Well, I didn't know I couldn't do that. And they're going to sit in prison basically for the rest of their lives. You see it all the time. The warnings are, to given, are given out there, telling those who travel abroad when they have free access to the various items that are available, drugs and everything else, before they ever get to the airport or when they get to the airport, there's always the signs up there, do not try it to bring it in. You're not going to like the consequence. Well, I thought I could get away with it. Simply saying, scriptures remind me of the sovereign rule of God. He created us. He created the world. He knows exactly what it is. He knows every inch of it. He knows our thoughts, our intents. And it's where we put our trust. Do we put our trust in that living God? All the way through Isaiah particularly, you can see it time and time again, how he names them by name. And again, how Daniel, how Daniel could name kingdoms and kings by name before they ever came into existence. Called Cyrus by name 150 years before he was ever born. You ever thought about that? 150 years before the man was born, he was already named. And I'm sure that was the first thought that crossed his mom and dad's mind when he was born. I read somewhere in the scriptures, so we have to call him Cyrus. They had no clue. Man's free will and God's sovereign rule, they do work. They do work together. Yes, but it's a reminder to us it's God's sovereign rule that we need to be aware of, not just man. We talked about the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Medes, the Damascus, Ethiopia, Egypt, Edom, and Arabia. Talked about Jerusalem and Tyre. It's interesting to read some of those prophecies to Tyre, for example, who thought they were so great. You're going to be destroyed. The city is going to be wiped clean and there will be nothing ever built on it again. 
and it hasn't been. The city, the old city remains have never been rebuilt. Power has been rebuilt, but it's in a different location. Not where the city of old was. It's amazing how God works. Do we trust him? Do we trust him with our life? Do we trust him with our soul? All of these judgments that God has made through Isaiah have come to pass, verifying again God's existence and verifying God's sovereignty. Again, mentioned Daniel the same way. Again, when Daniel could name three out of the four major kingdoms that would come into existence, Babylon being the one that he's a part of. But when he can name the next two by name and order before they ever came into existence or had any existence prior to that. And then reminds you that in the days of this fourth kingdom, God's going to establish a kingdom that would never be destroyed. And again, man's misinterpretation of that concept as well. But again, history shows out. The Medes and the Persians, the Greeks, and then the Romans. That God kept his word, and in the days of that Roman Empire, he did establish a kingdom that would never be destroyed. We live in a world that reads that, religious world and yet do not want to accept that. They want to accept that in the days of the Roman Empire God's going to establish a kingdom that will never be destroyed but they want that to be an earthly kingdom. So it's interesting to me as you read read on their accounts is that since they know that it's the Roman Empire and the Roman Empire has been gone for centuries For thousands of years, it's been gone. They know that. The only way that they can keep what they're believing is that God is going to reinvent the Roman Empire. Because it has to be the Roman Empire. In the days of this king, these kings, the Roman Empire, God's going to build his kingdom. So they're reorganizing it, restructuring it. Uh, The European common market was to be their, their Roman Empire. And it's going to have ten nations in that. And when they got the ten nations, they say, here, here we got the Roman Empire. And then more nations were added to it. And then they said, well, yeah, there's a lot more nations than the ten, but that's only the first ten that really count. The rest of them don't count. Because uh, we've got to have the Roman Empire, have to have the ten nations to fit into their description of what Daniel had to prophesy. God does not need to reinvent. His word is true. Ours is go back and then reread what he has said and see how it applies and how the fulfillment was given. And we have that in Acts uh, chapter 2 and following. That he kept his word in the Gospels as well talked about it. It's to remind us again God's sovereignty, to remind us as Christians that everything that God has talked about and the Old Testament has come true. And he was going to bring a Savior into the world. 
He's going to be Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And that has come to pass. And that's where it comes down to us. Anxiety needs not to be there. Again, listening to the world, and it's hard not to, uh, but not, allow, not allowing what we hear in the world to cause anxiety in, in our lives. We know the answers, but how many times do we really listen to them? I mean, we, we've heard the jokes. Some of may have used them from time to time, the joke of, you know, when do you know that a pol politician is lying? When he opens his mouth. We know that. And yet we believe what they say. How do I know that? Because every four years we do what? We elect somebody because why because he said he's going to do this and you know full well he cannot do that but he promised me he's going to do that we already know that and we also already know that God reigns supreme there is no violation of his word no mistranslation in it there's no mistakes in it what it says is true. All we need to do is to abide by that. The understanding is that we are children. God sees us as children. He deals with us as children. He chastises us as children because he loves us and because he's wanting us to recognize the uncertainty of this life or the brevity of this life and anticipation of that eternal life. And it gives us the examples that we need. Jesus set the example for us that we should follow in his steps. He's given us what we need. Where we just follow those steps. Well, those steps for Jesus led to a physical death, did it not? We expect less. They persecuted him. They rejected him. They mocked him. They ridiculed him. Do we expect less? Problem is, we at times, as Americans, think we do expect less out of that. After all, our nation was founded on the principles of the Bible, was it not? Therefore, we are a special people. Now, was not Israel the same? There's there's no identity or identical situation there. Don't misunderstand me on that one. We're not the Israel of the new Israel. No, but Israel of old, God's chosen people, given the chosen land, given the chosen city, to build a chosen temple, neglected what they had. They lost it. We were founded on the principle, and again, I've cited that many times, they came over to this country for the freedom to worship God correctly, to worship God as they felt they were dictated to do. There's a difference. There's a difference. And so we have accepted religious division within our country as the normality 
and the acceptability, not only in this country, but we seem to, and we're not careful, we allow that to creep into us as well, within the Lord's body or in the Lord's, uh, in religion, that division is acceptable in the eyes of God. And that's the challenge we have. Be true to his word. The sovereign nature, uh, the rule of God, his nature is, has not changed. He's told us what he needs, told us what he wants. And he's told us that every step that we take, he walks with us. Every obstacle that you face, he gives you what you need so that you can be victorious in this life and rewarded in eternity with eternal life. But the choice has to be yours. Every day we make those choices. I need thee every hour. We sing it. Do we mean it? Do we understand what we're saying when I say, I need thee every hour? Cannot do this alone. And then to remind myself, I do not do it alone. Because he walks with me. He protects. He loves and he disciplines, but he walks with me. Is he walking with you? Are you his child? And as a child, are you walking with no fear in the arms of Jesus? Where's your trust? If you need to realign your life, you need to align your, realign your trust, if we could assist, if we could help you in any way to make a life right with God, we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.